Hello, I'm Gemma Kearney and welcome to Life on Our Terms, a podcast with the Open University. This is the podcast series that gets in deep with people who are living life on their own terms and rewriting the rules about what, why and how we learn. Each week, I've got the privilege of talking to a new and exciting guest about their alternative path to success and what they've learned along the way. I'll also catch up with a current student from the Open University, finding out about how the OU has helped them to take control of their education and achieve their ambitions in a way that works for them. So in this episode, I'm thrilled to introduce to you all Lavinia Stennett, CEO and founder of The Black Curriculum, a recent school of Oriental and African Studies graduate and an education activist. Lavinia's organisation is on a mission to revamp the curriculum and ensure that all children get taught black history in school. I wish something like this had been happening when I was at school, but it's important that it happens now. I want to talk to her in a bit more detail about the changes that they're pushing for in our education system, her vision for a better future in education and how it can transform lives, as well as her own experiences as both a student and an activist. Hi, Lavinia. Hi, Gemma. So you started the Black Curriculum whilst you were still studying for your degree. For listeners that don't already know about it, can you explain what the amazing organisation does and tell us a little bit about how it came about? Sure. So the Black Curriculum, it's a social enterprise that works to teach Black history and support the teaching of Black history all year round and to support all young students to empower them with a sense of identity and belonging and to improve social cohesion. So those are our three main goals. And I'd say the Black Curriculum started because the lack of Black history within schools and um, secondary schools, primary schools across the UK, there isn't a standard mandatory approach towards the teaching of Black history. It's kind of left to individual schools to choose whether or not it's um, going to be taught. So we thought that by providing Black history all year round, we can provide a solution to teachers who struggle to find the information and the resources and also the training to be able to give them the confidence to teach it. So that's why we exist. Um, and it's important for all young people, not just black students. It's for everyone. What was the springboard to actually making it a thing? Because it's quite bold, isn't it? From idea, I think the idea is amazing and I totally understand why it's needed. But to create something tangible in terms of education, what made it into something official and proper that you wanted to filtrate into places of education? So good question. I think for a while I was in a lot of conversations. Um, these conversations have been going on for the last 50 years that like we want to do something about it. This is a frustration. You know, why doesn't our curriculum reflect us? And I think just being in that space <laughs> really annoyed me because I was like, right, what's the, what are we going to do about it? And that, I think that actually gave me a lot of like insight into what the actual issue was. And then being able to really translate that information into um, a service that we're providing happened over, I think, the space of at least a year. But when I was in New Zealand, I think that's where it just clicked in my head. I was like, oh, wow. So, right. If there is uh, information that is taught constantly and there are individuals who are empowered by their own history, by their culture, why have, why have we not taken that approach in the UK and what's stopping us? So I think being able to actually visualize it and see it in practice gave me that of like, right, we can actually do it in the UK, um, given that we do have amazing resources, historians, people in our culture who've been, you know, really undertaking the practice of history. And I thought if we could bring it together to create a curriculum, we've solved half of the problem. 
tell me a little bit more about your experience in New Zealand. I, um, in my second year, had decided that I wanted to take a scholarship to study Indigenous land law and kapahaka, which is the Indigenous dance of New Zealand. Um, During my summer here, which is the first semester of New Zealand's academic system. So um, when I went there, I was, yeah, in the University of Waikato, which is right, like, near Auckland. Um, And during that time, it was just really important for me to immerse myself, to learn about colonial history and the way that land was a central feature and how that has been usurped through colonialism was just really very heartbreaking, but also very mesmerizing in terms of understanding how they have mobilized and as a community found their way through that in in terms of comparing the timelines of uh, colonialism that has affected the Caribbean and Africa, as well as New Zealand. I was like, right, this is very different context, but a very similar system. It's all come from the British. It all started around the same time. Um, So I started to see loads of parallels. And I think um, because I was learning, sharing, listening, um, I had a lot of ideas, but also I think a deep determination that was built from just listening to what people were saying. And making that connection was so invaluable and it gave me the motivation to start the Black Curriculum. So inspiring to hear about a kind of a global empowerment that can be achieved by listening to other stories as well as your own. Yeah. Did you do any Black history at school? And when, you know, going back, so we've talked about your university, but what was your schooling like? My schooling in terms of learning Black history was along the lines of a mission. I had a very good introduction to Black history at my primary school. Um, Well, I'd say it was like a basic, but in terms of like (laughs) the missing information that's there, it was quite good. So we had given, been given a project, I think like year three, around Black History Month, going to, you know, um, look at inventors and pioneers. And my mum had this book at home and I've now got it in my front room. But it's around, uh, yeah, inventors from America. And I remember looking at Lewis Latimer and I just felt very proud. Like, it was just like, wow, like someone's done that. They're black. I can do that. Like, I, don't, I don't think that connection was made then, but it was like, I felt very proud. I remember feeling like um, taking that project with great pride, bringing it to class, getting marked, coming back. Um, and I, yeah, that stayed with me. Um, and it was very different from the latter experiences that I had. So when I was in like year five, I think there was something around watching Roots. And then in secondary school, I think we had the odd kind of Black History Month. Um, and I remember learning something around slavery, but that was it. Like there was no deep exploration around Black British history. Again, like if it was to, to think about the experience of slavery, it touched on America rather than Britain. And so there was like always like a missing kind of thing. And then it was only until I kind of got into like college just before I started university, I started to understand the framework of decolonization and how that applies to Black British history. And I was like, oh, there's something there um, that is missing. So I say my schooling really lacked Black British history. I remember really enjoying history at school, but I definitely don't remember learning more about Black history beyond a day, perhaps, on the slave trade, which was quite alarming and triggering particularly being a student of colour with Jamaican heritage and not finding out more. Definitely. I've since become a self-educator, travelled the continent of Africa and the Caribbean, and it's made me a more rounded person. So I, I am really behind what the Black curriculum are doing. 
talk to me about the TBH365 Teach Black History or To Be Honest All Year Round campaign. So TBH365 is a campaign that we run to make sure that black history is embedded into the national curriculum all year round and not just in Black History Month. So February 2019, we were just starting off our Instagram was just like, okay, so what's going to make people motivated to know what we're trying to ask for? And so, yeah, the play on words came about and um, plays on the idea that we have to be honest. If we're not honest with our history, if we're not honest with ourselves, we don't produce a society that creates um, equality and fairness for all. And so whilst we are thinking about Black history, it's also being able to reflect on our society at the same time because the two can't work they have to work in tandem so um the aims of that yes yeah, to make sure that black history is embedded in the national curriculum so we've come quite far still so much work to do because there is a lack of response from the current government in terms of their next steps um of how they w- you know wish to embed black history into the national curriculum and also from exam boards so our campaign um we have campaigns every year that run on those themes and this year was targeted towards Gavin Williamson, who's the Secretary of State for Education, which is interesting because he responded. They responded, I should say. Nick Gibb responded twice. And the first response was more like, OK, it's already flexible, board balance and referring to the national curriculum. And then education is the tool to kind of tackle racism. And we'd love to support you, but we can't because of COVID. So, However, you have achieved a lot in a short amount of time. And why do you think that is? Um, incredible support from the community, I think we would not have been able to come this far without that engagement and drive and also acceptance that there is an issue from the public. I also believe we have a wonderful team. The team are very agile. This year has shown us that we've been able to kind of move in different ways. And I also think we're very clear on our vision. The ask is very clear. We're not asking for too much. Um, it's, it's, it's something that can be done. And we really believe that. So um, the vision is to embed Black history and make sure that all young people are empowered through that. And Everyone has a role to play in that. So I think that is why we have been so very successful this year. For those listening right now that feel like they did have a well-rounded education, but that they don't necessarily have the knowledge of, of this history, of Black history, how do you think that they can embrace like learning about these issues now? Because there is a real openness to a conversation about how Black lives matter and Black history matters. So where can people start, even if they're grown up, so to speak? Mm, I think the first thing is recognising that we, even as adults, we don't know the full entirety of knowledge. We've just been given certain elements, especially through our schooling. It's, it's, it's modelled um, in ways to suit um, yeah, the social and economic playing field. And so there's so much information that we don't know. It's not just back history. And I think just being able to start to recognise that okay, there's a journey of learning that still is ahead of me is the first thing. And secondly, when it comes to learning British history more accurately, um, there are loads of books now, which is great, around bringing in different narratives. And I think that's really key. So like David Olasoga's Black and British is obviously a really good kind of book um, that explores this in more detail. We've got podcasts such as Anne Rennie Edda Lodges. I think it's all about race. Um, And it just really just explores the different things that have happened in British history that have affected Black people. And if you even want to go before, so thinking back to like the Tudor period, um, brilliant authors such as Miranda Kaufman have got um, case studies of Black Tudors. We know it's not just like the one example that we often use of John Blanc, but there were hundreds of Black Tudors at the time. And there are books that people can 
engage in to start to actually open out that that sense of like what was Britain like has Britain always been like well you know um thinking about why we've only got one perspective and I think more social commentary through like natives um written by Akala kind of provide provide that summary so I'd say just start by yeah just start by being inquisitive and um you don't have to read a book you can also go online there is so much like animations and courses as well that are out there around black history so yeah to be a successful activist and campaigner requires a real mix of skills. How have you kept learning whilst juggling all of the other demands on your time? You seem quite relaxed as well. I mean, what? <laughs> um, I'd say the key is rest. Um, it's been something that I have fallen into quite inadvertently. Um, I've been literally, so graduate from graduating last year, June, <laughs> to now it just feels like I've just been like, you know, on that treadmill. And I think I came to June this year, just after Black Lives Matter and all the kind of um, requests and demands that were made of us during June, which is great. But I was burnt out and I was like, oh my God, I'm so tired. And there's not much that I can give as an individual. So I decided that actually I'm going to rest and intentionally take that time out. So what that looks like is being able to like say no, um, not right now. It looks like being able to just sleep more and also to um take more time outside um spend more time with my friends and family and to kind of have that I don't think you have balance but I do aim to have more rest than I do thinking time and that gives me more energy so I think just being more intentional about taking that rest has really 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 helped me outside of history as a subject how else would you like to see the education system become more inclusive I believe in the power of the arts the arts is really important and it provides meaningful connections, ways to explore um, information that can produce social change. Like, I think the power of music hasn't been more enhanced than ever than before because of this year. We've all been isolated. And I think, yeah, within the education system, we should be focusing on like placing more value on music and drama as really key ways to empower students and bring change into society um, there's such such powerful messages that can be communicated through that so I'd like to see the arts taken more seriously and embedded yeah properly for those listening who are inspired by all your work and might want to follow in your footsteps what is the most important lesson you've learned since launching the organization I'd say just staying really clear on what it is that you actually want and being able to articulate that to different people because the journey of the black curriculum would not have been able to have been achieved if there were not individuals who were able to connect with the vision. And that only comes to you being able to identify what that actually is. And then following on from that, um, seeking feedback, because you may be right, but you've actually got to prove that you're right. So I think for the first year, we were doing a lot of like focus groups. And like, even though I knew it was an issue, we had to, re- you know, demonstrate that. And like, we live in a world where like evidence is, um, the priority so we have to be able to also evidence the necessity of what it is that you're doing even if you do believe that it's going to solve whatever the problem is what does ambition mean to you because it's almost limitless there's so much to be done but there's so much that has been done how do you succeed in your own terms um ambition is a really it resonates very deeply so I think there's a word there's something within that that I strive towards but what does that ambition actually look like collective ambition like Ambition can't just end with the self. I think in society, if we are aspiring to create change and 
um, that is ambition that is driving us to get there, it has to result in something that is meaningful for everyone. Like we all want to have a lasting impact. And I think for me in my work, it's being able to create impact for other people. And yeah, like I, I am very ambitious and I want to create that change. I think it can be done. I think it's being able to um, unlock the possibilities that exist, but we've been told don't exist. So I think I believe in the notion of collective ambition. I love that. Hopeful words. We need them <laughs> in amongst the doom and fear. Hope, collective ambition is possible. Um, outside of school or university, did you have any figures who acted as mentors in your life? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, yes. Um, so I'd say, like, unofficially, because, you know, you have this thing of, like, I'm your mentor and we're going to schedule in weekly chats. But I actually had just, like, what we would say, like, aunties or... Um, and I don't mean aunties in, in terms of, like, them actually being my mum's sister or dad's sister. No, like, just motherly figures who'd be part of my journey. So there um, was a lady called Anne, um, Cheryl. They had been very active in um, like Black British activism back in the day. And they were just very, like, offered loads of guidance. So like, really, Lavinia, step back, think, you know, what is it that you're actually trying to offer? And I think just having that kind of sounding board was really useful. Um, I have a good community at the moment. Um, so yeah, James... Um, Alex, who's been my like official mentor for like five years, have always kind of given me, I guess, the push, but also the ability to think and slow down because I'm very like, let's just do it. They're like, no, stop. <laughs> think, um, why is this relevant? And they ask me a lot of really good questions. So I'd say, yeah, along the way, I've had good people who've been like, able to offer their advice. Definitely. I think mentors and the idea of mentorship in, in one's life is super important to consider. And I think that we don't consider mentorship enough. Definitely. And I think it just reflects the idea that we can't do anything alone. Um, individualism is so rife within the society we live in. And um, there's false expectations of us that, you know, if we just try hard enough, we can get there. But it's again, it comes back down to the community and who's around you and um yeah, being able to foster really meaningful partnerships with people from all backgrounds and all ages as well. What new thing do you want to learn in your life, Lavinia, in 2021? Um, <laughs> okay, so um, I've started a course in wine and I would like to know more about wine. <laughs> Naturally, because you haven't got enough on your plate. <laughs> so I really want to learn more about wine, um, but particularly its connection to um, states and the history of that so I've like tried to make like a little academic connection so it's not as hedonistic um <laughs> as it sounds <laughs> um but I'd like to learn more about wine but I think yeah more seriously I think I'd like to just yeah continue to like learn how to empower my team um and watch them grow into leaders that they need to be as well to make sure this vision goes even further and where can listeners find you um so you can find the black curriculum on the blackcurriculum.com um the twitter is curriculum black Facebook is The Black Curriculum. Instagram is The Black Curriculum. Um, and if you want to find me personally, I'm not on Twitter, but you can um, find me on Instagram at gotta be loving ya. So G-O-T-T-A-B-E, Lavinia. Thank you so much, Lavinia. You are a bright, shining light and I'm so glad that you exist in the UK. Aww, here doing you. the good work and I fully support and adhere to so much of what you guys are doing. So thank you. Thank you so much, Gemma. 
Yes, it is so motivating and encouraging to know that there are bright thinkers like Lavinia out there fighting the good fight with structure, focus, and will make the education system hopefully better in the future. As we've heard from Lavinia, one of the routes to real and lasting change is in challenging the narratives that we're presented with. There isn't just one perspective on a subject, even if that's how it's framed for us. And there isn't just one way to study. One of the things I love about the Open University is their commitment to social progress and their mission to be open to people and ideas. That's one reason it appealed to Abiola, someone else who's just as interested as Lavinia in making a positive impact on society. I loved hearing about how his teachers and mentors inspire him. And Abiola has some great advice that hopefully inspires you in turn. Hi, Abby. Thank you so much for joining us. No worries. Thank you for having me. First of all, let's go straight into the deep. Tell me what you're studying at the moment. I am doing a degree in computing and IT, um, going more towards the computer science route. Where do you work and what does your employer think of you studying at the OU? Yes, um, I work for an electric vehicle charging company. So uh, they make the charging capabilities for electric vehicles. And they absolutely love the fact that I'm studying that. Though. You, it, was, um, it was actually their, their idea to push me towards this route. Uh, I, I worked there for the first year, just um, you know, as I took that um, gap between my A-levels and going to university. And uh, once my first year was over, I was planning to, you know, to go to university and they, they made me an offer to stay on full time and study part time. And before that was told to me that that option was available, I've never really considered that as being an option. I don't really know of anyone really that works full time and study part time. And, you know, now uh, studying the OU, I can see that that's, there's definitely thousands of people around the world that are managing to do both work and study at the same time. And I just don't feel like that's something that, you know, from a young age we were ever told to do. It was just always, you know, finish your A-levels and go to university. It wasn't, there was no option to, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to study full-time. You can study part-time and do something else that allows you to gain some career development at the same time. What are your tutors and fellow students like and do you get on with them? Uh, I get on with my tutors and students um, a lot. So with the tutors, we stay in communication via email, uh, Skype, and every now and again, we do um, give tutors a call. So when, when I do have a question that I can't quite figure out how to put that into words, I'm not sure how to you know, put my thoughts into, into paper, I am able to give my tutor a call and just you know, spend five or 10 minutes on the phone and just explain where I'm going stuck and any insight they might be able to give. That's been really helpful, especially during, um, during these times. And uh, with my fellow students, yes, of course, definitely. So we got a Discord link that we all just um, anger in and talk about. Um, just talk about general, general stuff. It's not always to do with studying, uh, personal life, any interest that we're going to come in. And we do have a, a WhatsApp group. So again, it's a very collaborative way of working together and thinking. And are your fellow students similar age with a similar background to you? Or is it a complete mix of people? Yes, it's a complete mix of people. So there are people that are, you know, like myself in their 20s, um, 
you know, still living with the parents and stuff like that. And uh, we have people that are, you know, married with kids and, you know, they've got a uh, responsibility to not only themselves, but they have people depending on them. And I, I just find that incredibly brave of them to be able to, you know, not not say, okay, I've settled down with, you know, with, my, uh, with my partner and my kids. I don't need to get a degree. There are still people out there that are still chasing their dreams. And that's definitely a motivation for me every time we work together. And what's your course content like? What do you love the most? Oh, yeah. Um, what I love the most is uh, coding. So I didn't actually expect to be such a big coder, but I do enjoy um, writing in different, um, different languages, uh, Java, Python, uh, you know, a bit of HTML. Uh, I think my the biggest surprise, I'd say, for me was um, when I, I did a module in Cisco networking. So... Um, wasn't a big network person. I just thought I'd maybe I'll do a year in this and just see how I get on with it. I wasn't, I didn't go into it with high uh, expectations, but I came out at the end of it going, you know what, this might not actually be a, uh, a bad career choice for me. That brings me to the next question, actually, in terms of work life balance, because yeah. you're working full time, you're now studying part time. What does your daily routine look like? So I, I work full time and I study in the evenings. Um, you know, that, that's just, that needs to be done in order to not fall too far behind in my course. Um, I'm, I'm able to, you know, catch up with my friends, you know, play football, stuff like that, that I've been doing for years on the weekend. So none of this changed. It's just, um, you know, usually I'll be able to finish work, come home, put on a PlayStation and sit down for three or four hours ago by just gaming around with my friends. But that's, that's not a problem because I do uh, catch up for lost time on the weekends. What's been your proudest moment so far? In life or with Open University? Open University and in life. <laughs> I managed to finish a course of uh, a distinction. And I felt that was, that was pretty impressive because all my, all my results so far have been, been close, but not always there. And, you know, once I got that first distinction, I was like, okay, this is it. This is the bar. This is what I target for all my results. Amazing. Should be. In life? Just because I'm nosy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll probably say being able to focus on both aspects of um, getting a degree and working and not um, having to sacrifice one for the other. So I've been able to, you know, progress each year with the OU towards the towards my bachelor's degree and also being able to progress year on year at, at work without having to sort of drop one in order to um, progress on the other. I'll probably go with that as my greatest accomplishment for now anyway. What would you say to anyone who's thinking of studying an open university qualification whilst working? My, my thought on that would be it's definitely possible to do a combination of both. There's no reason to have to sacrifice your career goals or put your career goals on hold just to get a degree. And there's no reason to focus on just uh, working without, you know, working in the right field, for example. Um, the open university allows you to study um, at your own pace so you don't have to do too many courses that you might feel you can't handle everything. So you are able to pick and choose um, how many courses you want to study a year so you don't over, overwork yourself. And that allows you to find the right balance between working full-time and studying part-time. And what do your friends and family think? My, my family love it. My family, uh, they are very proud of me. Well, uh, they don't say enough, but I do know. I do know they are. So every t- every time I <laughs> every time I uh, get a result back from one of my cheaters, I do let them know, and I can tell they're they're very happy with the way I'm progressing. And um, so are my friends. My friends are 
they're very proud of they're very proud of what I'm doing as well. I'd like to I'd like to say some of them wish they had gone down the same route and you know of studying and working at the same time because it just allows you to gain that experience because um, whenever you apply for a job these days, the first thing employers look for is someone with experience. Well, it's very difficult to get that experience if all you've been, you know, all we've been programmed to do is finish your A-levels and go to university and just like thousands of other people. Well, by being able to study and work at the same time, you're able to stand out in a, in a big pool of people that have the same, pretty much the same CV. What are your ambitions for the future, Abby? I'd like to finish my degree. I am almost there. So uh, the short-term goal would be to finish that. Uh, I'd also like to, at some point, go for a master's with the OU. This has been working great for me to, um, you know, studying with the Open University allows me to not put my life on pause and not put my career on pause. I can study and also grow within the business as I have been doing for the past seven years. Amazing. Thank you so much, Abby. It's been lovely speaking to you. No worries. Thank you very much. Good luck with everything. Thank you. I'm pumped for Abiola and can't wait to see where his journey leads him. Talking of journeys, we've really been on one this week, from the past to the future. It's been incredible to meet two people who are working to fulfil their ambitions in their own different ways. It's really brought home to me the importance of different perspectives and stories in our education system. Next episode, we're painting our nails and taking a headfirst dive into the world of tech with the entrepreneur and CEO of BeautyStack, Sharmadine Reed, to get the inside scoop about tech on our terms. Sharmadine's shaking up the industry with her app and she's a force to be reckoned with. So I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. Don't miss her. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to Life on Our Terms, a podcast with The Open University. It was presented by me, Gemma Kearney, and produced by Listen Entertainment.